When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, we're back for another edition of Terry's Talking. David Campbell, sports manager at Cleveland.com. Alongside, as always, Terry Pluto, award-winning columnist from the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Terry, you have an appearance coming up a week from today on November 2nd. Why don't you tell people about it? Yes, Worcester Library, November 2nd, 6.30 p.m. It's free, and I will be there. to I'll do a talk, take questions, meet fans, sign books. The library stuff is just a, a wonderful outings. I love them, and uh, certainly the price is right. Nobody has to get dressed up, although fans usually wear the – the Browns or Cavs, Guardians, Indians, whatever shirts they want to wear. So come on out to Worcester. And it's free, although tickets are going fast. No, there's no tickets. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, there aren't. There aren't any. But the nice thing, too, the crowds have been big, and I've been glad. I think really ever since we started doing these, since the pandemic, people are out. And the remarkable thing is with all the teams we have here, there's always stuff to talk about. For sure. For sure. All right, well, let's get into it, Terry. Uh, I think we should start with the Browns because you have a column up this morning where you advocate for the Browns trading Kareem Hunt. This is kind of one of the big debates of the week that's going on when you when you see what fans are talking about on the radio, on TV, mm-hmm. on TV and social media. Why should the Browns trade Kareem Hunt, and why do you think they should do it now? Well, you have just the rest of this week and uh, the day after the Cincinnati game, November 1st is the deadline. So if you're going to trade him, you got to do it now or you're not going to do it. Uh, this has nothing to do with Hunt's attitude or performance or anything. Uh, it, ha- it has to do simply with, he's had nine carries the last two games. Uh, I went through and tried to figure out exactly how many snaps he and Chubb have been on the field together. I, I wasn't able to get dig deep enough to find the definitive thing, but when I was at adding a subtracting snaps, it comes out to round nine. And I think that matches the eye test. Um, I remember early in the year, they had a fake to uh, hunt and they, or fake to Chubb, and they threw a pass to hunt in the end zone for a touchdown. And that's the last time I saw it do anything. And you get to the point now, look, if you're not going to use the guy, you know, why have him here? He's a free agent at the end of the year. And a little bit has to do with this with Kareem. This is a critical part of his career. Now, if the, by the way, if the Browns are five and two. We're not having this discussion. Okay. Let's, let's, right. let's put that. Yeah. This is your two and five. And uh, I don't care. Deshaun Watson or Superman coming back. There's so much wrong with this team to think that suddenly, you know, they're going to turn around. 
I mean, if you think you need to win 10 games, so if you're two and five, that means you have to win eight more, eight of the last 10. That's right. That math is dead on. And the reason I'm that, I'm just saying, so I would like to see Kareem go somewhere so he could kind of revive his career a little bit. He's going to be a free agent. And uh, I think he's been a good soldier here. He has put his life back together as far as we know. I always say that because you never know everything behind the scenes. But between cell phones and that, a lot of stuff comes out. And they do like Jerome Ford. Chubb makes almost $15 million on the cap next year. So you're not going to have a, a how he paid back. I think Kareem is making seven this year behind him. But the main reason I just think they don't use him right, and he's going to be a free agent. And they're two and five. All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Terry. The Browns are two and five. It seems like every time they play on national TV at night at home, they bring it. And let's say they go out Monday night and they beat the Bengals. Now they're three and five, and the division is back in play. And Mary Kay Cabot, our colleague who covers the Browns, has been writing about this. The Browns are in a very, well, we're in a very favorable position until Sunday, but yeah. their their division record is 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 good. You know, it, it puts them in the running for tiebreakers and things, because that was their first division loss the other day. Kareem Hunt, if he sticks around and the Browns get on a roll, I mean, we've seen this, Terry, in the NFL, division champions are decided in November and December. Mm -hmm. And playoff spots are decided in November and December. You get on a roll. Deshaun Watson comes back. They start figuring things out. We saw this defense get better last year. You hold on to Kareem Hunt. And in the offseason, he signs as a free agent somewhere, and you get a compensatory draft pick uh, when he leaves. And the compensatory draft pick might not be that much different than what the, What are they going to get from Kareem, for Kareem Hunt? Maybe a fifth that turns into a conditional fourth? That's it's kind possible. of what the market has been. So. I guess is, that, David, is they, that a crazy scenario? I guess is my no, is it's my not, question. No, the reason I'm interrupting because I need help on that. How do you, how do you know he qualifies for a comp pick? Um, well, I think Mary Kay has written about this too. When you lose a free agent, depending on what they get, I you get a compensatory draft pick, right? Oh, depending upon the money. On the money, right? Yeah. See, my argument would be that he's not going to get a lot of money. Yeah. Which he might not. So would yeah. you get a sixth round? I, I We don't have the compensatory picks in I front guess, of us I here. guess maybe it's one of those things too, David, where I just – maybe part of it because he's a local kid who I've been pleased to see put his life together. And I would love to see him go somewhere and show what he could do because it ain't going to happen here. They may beat the Bengals. You know, that's the one team they've been able to beat so far. Although I believe in his last three or four games, isn't Burrow throwing 13 touchdown passes compared to two interceptions? But by the way, is that good? <laughs> Those numbers? That's, that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> we haven't seen something like that. I'm just sort of asking. You know, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, when you, when you write these periodic contract numbers down on the paper, you go, that's a lot of money. I have no idea what that money is, you know. <laughs> like I just said, well, and Kareem's only Kareem's making seven million dollars. Seven with all those zeros. Well, thir around here, 13 touchdown passes compared to two interceptions is like you or I or everybody listening, I would assume, making seven million dollars. Go, that's a that's a really big number. I wonder what that really looks like. <laughs> so anyway, I I think there's I could see either one happening. Um, uh -huh. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Terry, is what does it say to the players and the coaches 
if the Browns trade Kareem Hunt, say, during the bye next week, that they're throwing in the towel? Or does it say, oh, Kareem Hunt's not in our long-term plans, no big deal, let's carry on? Here's what it says to the players. You guys have had a lousy first half. That's what it says. (laughs) Yes. We're not trading Kareem Hunt if you're five and two or six and two or, you know, whatever. So that would be uh, their eighth game, five and three. Not trading Kareem Hunt. But uh, you turn around and you get spanked. Because, by the way, you could drag this deal into November 1st, too, you know. Uh, And you're two and six. You got nothing to say about anything. I'm sorry, you have nothing to say. You are two and six. And that goes for the coaches, too. You guys couldn't get your act together. You couldn't figure out how to use Hunt and Chubb. You Nine snaps? Come on. I mean, that's what it says. I don't want to hear it. And and it also says to, by the way, some of the other guys been around say, oh, you know, now agents would see this. That's a good thing. The Browns are doing this guy a favor, much like they did with Odell Beckham. Remember, they went through all those things to allow Odell to become a free agent so he could go to the Rams as opposed to I, – I forgot all the things. But that stuff plays well in the future. That, uh, In one regard, it plays well in the locker room that, oh, they're giving him a chance. They, the players know that. Uh, now, if the team were 4-4 four and four, – or like that says something different, but I don't think that discussion happens. It just doesn't. So, so I think we're on to something here, Terry. I think that game Monday night is a big one, and if they yeah. lose it, I think maybe during the bye week you do see this. I think I think you're on it, and that that is a big one for many many reasons. And this could be just another one that Monday night game. Oh yeah, it is. It's a huge one for the Bengals. I mean, it's hard to believe that somebody has a Mount Everest in front of them, and it's the Browns. Well, that's the Browns for for Joe Burrow. I believe he's never beat them. Yeah, and everybody remembers the uh, the Denzel Ward pick six. Mm-hmm. That was what, uh, he, that was one of the interceptions. You I mentioned. mean, one of the turnaround games was in two th- for for Stefanski in two thousand and twenty. Remember, they got waxed by Baltimore in the opener, his first game. Next game, they play the Bengals, and they had that shootout. And Baker basically, I forgot what the score was. I can't remember if it went overtime or what it was, but it was a big, high scoring game. And they won that game. And they then they won to start. They went four in a row. In fact, this is an interesting on Stefanski. You know, first year blowout, wins four in a row. Last year, he starts three and one. And then injuries, things took it off the rails. This year, I guess they were two. Were they two and one at one point? Yes, they were two and one at one point. But it's just been no feel, nothing. Really, when you say what it says, I'm, I'm going to go back to my point. It says, you have been a massive disappointment in the first half. And I'm talking coaches, you know, most of the players, Nick Chubb, a few of you other guys, you're just, you're dismissed from this discussion. You don't have to listen to this. You know, you've done your job, but for the rest, a lot of you other guys, forget it. And Kareem, I'm giving you what an incomplete because they weren't even throwing you incomplete passes. That's another thing. They're supposed to throw this guy passes. They've thrown a fifth. He's thrown them 19 times. He's caught 15 of them in their first seven games. What is that? They can't put him in the slot. They can't. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, that goes, so you mentioned OBJ a couple of minutes ago, yeah. Terry. And I, I wanted, I have, this has been on my mind and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So last year, we OBJ's big thing was, we all saw the videos. OBJ's always yeah, open. Right. But the larger issue was, do Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt know how to use their weapons on offense? That was the larger issue. And if you look at this team, mm-hmm. I keep going back to this play on Sunday. 2.45 left in the game, and Jacoby Brissett, he 
hits Donovan Peoples-Jones down the sideline for 37 yards, all right? They're trying to make a, a last drive to win the game. They get down to the Baltimore 42 with 2.45 left, and then very next play, they call a shovel pass to Harrison Bryant for <laughs> oh, one yard. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, All right? I, I, the game is I, on the line. Oh, jeez. And you are going to throw a shovel pass to your second-string tight end with 2.45 left in the I game. Know. If you are looking at the Browns, Terry, who – and you're, you're the Ravens, and you look at that offense – who are the guys who are going to beat you? Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, right? And maybe fifth is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Njoku okay? might have been out of the game by then. Njoku the others, was yeah. out of the game by that point. Yeah. So what are the Browns – do the Browns get the ball to one of those three guys, Chubb, Hunt, or Cooper, in a, a critical situation How late in the, a game, late in a division game on yeah, the road? I mean, they don't. Uh, and here's another thing. Chubb in the backfield. You split Hunt out. Two options right there. Fake to Chubb, throw it to Hunt, give it to Chubb. But either way, if you got them both on the field, they have to account for both of them. Yeah, and, and you watch you know, you know, watch games on Sunday night like the Chiefs. And the Browns don't have uh, the, the, the guy who's playing the quarterback for the Chiefs, yeah. right? It's not a comparable. But the thing that the Chiefs do is everybody gets touches. You watch the Rams play. Everybody gets touches. And their coaches talk about, you know, we, during the game, we'll look and see, like, who's had touches and who hasn't. Mm-hmm. And they will call an end around for Nicole Hardman or for if Cooper Cup hasn't had the ball. They'll run an end around or they'll give him a quick, easy, easy catch. The Browns have some dangerous players, but here it is, a critical time, and they're giving the ball to – nothing against Harrison Bryant. Like, he's he's got good hands. He's a good well, tight I wouldn't end, mind like, that's a not seven, the time. Yeah, throw him a seven-yard pass. I mean, something that, here. here's the deal. Sometimes they say, well, you know, they'll never expect a shovel pass to Harrison Bryant. There's a reason they'll never expect that. It probably will never work. I mean, that's, it, exactly there right. are things that there were, and as you said, in critical point of game, you have, if they only had one playmaker, it would be a different discussion where they could just like say, load up on Chubb. There's no hunt. But I, I don't know. I, it just... I really believe Kevin has has lost his feel for this team, and maybe Brissett has done the same thing that Baker Mayfield did to him a year ago, where he just doesn't know what to call. He's well, even Terry, like so, Amari Cooper, twenty million dollars, one of the best yeah. receivers in the league. He gets he had the off- offensive pass interference, which was you know you can argue that call. It could have been a non call, but yeah. you think about it. You watch the Jets. Once or twice a game, and they did this against the Browns, they run an end around a jet sweep to Braxton Berrios. Okay. Mm-hmm. When the Browns run a jet sweep this season, who gets the ball when they run that jet sweep when they well, run Njoku? Njoku did. And the other guy who got it was Anthony Schwartz. Yeah. Right. That, and that's then he the got... Anthony Schwartz play. When he's in the game, they give him the jet sweep. Why isn't Mari Cooper getting a jet sweep I don't when know. he's not getting the ball? Why isn't you know you know what I'm saying? they just they don't they have weapons. And then they don't use them. And it's I think it's really frustrating for Browns fans. Um, Cooper had four targets on, on Sunday, three catches. Yeah. Yeah, and that I was the extent know. of his contribution because they can't and find Cooper a way to get him run, And Cooper could run any kind of route you want him to run. He could run a short route. He could run a long route. He could run them all. I mean, he is the most professional receiver I've seen here in a long time in terms of a finished product. And I, you're correct. It is, it's not just all. Brissett. Okay, so Brissett misses him, run another one, you know, for him. 
I I find it. I'm glad you brought that the dreaded Harrison Bryant thing up. I forgot all about that because I just remember holding my head when it happened at the at the game. Going, well, I didn't expect that, and that's why. Nobody was expecting it, like you said. <laughs> yeah, it, it just you know it was one of those. It, it was just so silly, and that's why I just sense I go back to my thing on on Kareem and the trade and that. I don't see this thing shaping up real well. And then we go back to, you know, it it was covered up by uh, JOK recovering that fumble late in the fourth quarter, I think with three minutes to go or whatever. But I wrote down, so Baltimore gets the ball with nine minutes left, and they run the ball all the way down the field to like 313 or whatever when the fumble is. And they were actually – in field goal range then. And they just chopped up the Browns' defense again, keeping it on the ground in a key part of the game. And it just, it even though they didn't score Baltimore, it changed the complex or the complexion of the game because it chewed up so much time. And the, you knew they were running it. Um, Lamar was having a terrible day with his accuracy. He really was struggling throwing the ball. And to Harbaugh's credit, they ran it 44 times. I think they threw it 16 or whatever it was because he just said, it'll work on the ground. My guy's struggling. And it wasn't like they're getting big chunk plays. I think they had 160 yards and 44 carries, which is pound away, pound away, pound away. And that's what teams have been doing for the Browns. And, you know, if you can't stop the run and uh, that's why I just said, okay, you know, you want to wait till, till the day after the Bengals game to trade Kareem, that's fine. But I just don't see it happening. And I also just wanted to put out there for Kareem's career. Uh, I just, yeah, you might get a comp pick for him, but, um, you know, sometimes, yeah. yeah, And also sometimes you just want to be right about the player. It does. And the Browns have shown they they do that, so that's yeah, certainly it, what happened with OBJ yeah, that last would, year. Yeah, that would that would happen because if he goes, running backs could fall into that abyss of, well, you can get anybody for almost any price, and now Kareem created a lot of his own problems with the incident with the woman, and that that's why he's always been quote unquote underpaid, and that is all his own doing, and it's on tape, and there's no denial about it. But I also will say, in terms of you know players they've given second chances to he's probably been the most successful you know and you think about Antonio Callaway and some of these other guys they brought in here uh even that Malik McDowell you know they all went off the Johnny Manziel Johnny Manziel (laughs) yeah I mean they, they really have where this guy he had the one incident where he got pulled over by the police not long after he resigned and that's been it as far as I know all right, Terry. Well, it looks like it's going to be a big one on Monday night for a number of reasons. I, I am going to be curious, but they have a lot of things they need to address. And you're right about the Lamar Jackson thing, too. They they caught Lamar Jackson on an off day, and they yeah. couldn't get the win. And I think that is something that might haunt them the rest of the way here. And I think they know that. Um, they got they got some things to work on. So, all right, let's take a break, Terry. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the 2 and one Cavaliers. Okay. What's surprised you so far? Uh, we've got some Guardians we can talk about. I know you were at the season-ending media interviews on Friday with uh-huh. Terry Francona and the front office. And then we will answer some Hey Terry questions. We'll be right back on Terry's Talking. We're back on Terry's Talking. 
Terry Pluto and David Campbell. Terry, let's get into the Cavaliers. Two and one heading into tonight's Wednesday night tip-off at home against Orlando down at the Fieldhouse. Then they're at Boston on Friday, and they are home again on Sunday against the Knicks. It's been a little bit of a weird start with the Darius Garland uh, eyelid injury, and he's supposed to be back sooner rather than later. But what have you been surprised by from the Cavs so far? I am. Um, I I just have not seen enough of Donovan Mitchell to know the full extent of his games. Uh, in other words, how he could play either guard spot. And I go back to we've mentioned this before on the podcast how Mike Fratello was very excited when they acquired him, and Mike, who does the Clippers games uh, on TV, uh, had seen a lot more of Mitchell than I have, and most Cleveland fans. And he compared him to Joe Dumars. He said a combo guard. Dumars was the actually turned out to be a Hall of Fame guard for um you know the pistons and he played in the same backcourt with isaiah thomas and sometimes he had to run the point and sometimes thomas did and he played shooting guard but what we've seen is how mitchell now he made a couple bad turnovers right at the end of the washington game but i mean this guy's a player i can see now why you watch a lot of film of him if you're kobe altman and they are asking for a couple more draft choices you finally just say let's just do it and go for it in the next three years with this guy because he gives us depth. And then if you would think if they had not made the trade, I would not want to see that ball in Colin Sexton's hands. Now Sexton is coming off the bench and scoring for Utah, which is his role. So I'm not, this is not a knock there, but players are, I mean, he's limited. And, you know, Mitchell is a, he's a strong guy physically. So that's been number one. Of course, number two is a guy, a player I haven't liked for years, Chetty Osmond. I don't know what happened to him, although he had about a month or two last year where he played well. But when they really now needed an extra score with no Darius, there's Osmond, you know, coming off the bench with some spark and um, playing about as under control as I've seen him. So those are the two big things. I think the defense still has to get better. They have to get back to that, but that may take a while. Uh, So those are. Uh, there a little bit of a concern with me has been Evan Mobley just that he seems like he's not in the flow of the offense sometimes and his rebounding total should be better uh, we actually have a, a hey Terry question about Mobley that I yeah. that, I, that I'll get to uh, that okay. I want to run past right. in a little bit so we can get into that so the Donovan Mitchell thing that you mentioned I was trying to think of when you make a trade there's like the talent part of it and and the the fit within what you're mm-hmm. trying to do but there's also the chemistry thing and we've talked about this before but for to have a player of Donovan Mitchell's stature come in and and basically stand up in front of the team and say hey I screwed up the end of the game I yes. really blew that that's not going to happen again I mean it has taken him no time to establish himself and earn the respect of his teammates it seems like just from from the jump really yeah I'm, I mean looking at Donovan's stats here he's averaging five and a half rebounds a game I may add along with seven assists. Now, 4.3 turnovers is a little high, but, you know, and 33 points. So he's been doing it. But they know he's good. See, the players know. They played against him. All these guys played against him in college uh, because, remember, they're all young. So or summer camps or whatever. So they know know he's good. And I think that he is wise to do that also. I'll tell you, that press conference he had when he came in here was one of the best – um, welcome to Cleveland. I've been traded for, even though I really wanted to go to New York, which he did. By the way, the reason so fans know his father, Donovan's father, was a player in the minor league system. I'm not sure if it was for the Mets or not, but he was a 
but he now works in the front office for the Mets. So he's from uh, New York, the New York area. His dad works for the Mets. So he, you know, it'd be kind of like if he were from here and his dad worked for the Guardians, you know, and he got traded in New York, you know, he, that's tug of home. But he quickly, as they say, pivoted to, hey, Cleveland's a really good situation. They want me and I could win here. And he backed up basically in the early going of everything that um, uh, he mentioned on that first day here. All right. And to get back to Jetty, Chris Fedor, our colleague who covers the Cavs, has a story about him up on cleveland.com slash Cavs. The numbers, 16 points, 56.7% from the field and 57% from three-point range. Uh, and 2.7 assists and 1.7 rebounds. But those are some pretty impressive numbers for Jetty. And, and Chris wrote about how J.B. Bickerstaff and Jetty have been talking since mm-hmm. last season about, listen, this is what we need from you. We can't have effort. We, we can't have maximum effort. All You got to be on all the time when you're out there. That's what we need from you. And I think they're getting that from him. And, and it seems like it's been a big change. Uh, so it's working yeah. out. I will just caution because he's had periods in the past where he played well for four or five weeks and then things kind of went in a wrong direction. And then he started being out of control. So let's just see. But the great thing is if you're in a plug in, we need somebody to be hot now with Darius out. Um, even after three games, who the heck would bet? Well, and even if I, all right, David, I told you after three games, a Darius would be out. Who would be the leading scorer? Mitchell would be number one. Who would be your second leading scorer? Probably Mobley. Mobley, yeah. Mobley would be a good one. Maybe you might even say Levert since he's starting. But not Jetty, but that's who it is. Uh, So that's it. I just was looking at some stats, too, on the cast. And this has been nice to see. How about Kevin Love? 19 minutes a game, 9.3 points, and 8.7 rebounds. I mean, this is those are really good numbers, and I think that's critical for them to make sure that Kevin continues to produce coming off the bench like he did last year. Keep him healthy. Don't play him too much because he is a game changer when he goes in. By the way, shooting 50% from three-point range. Um, so that's, you know, I'm very excited about them, and, and they don't have to rush Garland back. Make sure that eye is fully healed. Uh, you could play the long game. You have Mitchell to steady things in the backcourt and remember hopefully in january i guess uh, coming back is is going to be rubio so that'll give you more depth in the backcourt too um neto is you could tell he's sort of a he's marginal as a point guard um so there we go but i mean i look at all this and i just think uh, this is exactly what they need they're averaging 116 points a game that's that's way up uh, for them too. So, uh, well, I do want to see, uh, you know, a little more rebounding from a few guys out there. We could talk about that, especially Mobley a little later. Now here's another nice thing too. How about, uh, uh, Lopez 15 minutes a game. He's getting nine points and four and a half rebounds. I was listening to when I was driving home from Baltimore, I had on the Washington broadcast of that. And, uh, they were really talking about how Lopez, you know, he's passed through a bunch of teams they go, yeah, you know, the fans liked him. We liked him here. He was a good part-time player. It was kind of nice to to hear that from their end. Yeah, how the other how the other teams feel about him. It's always yeah. interesting perspective. So 
All right. So again, Cavs playing Orlando tonight, Wednesday night at seven at home. Then they're at Boston on Friday. And then Donovan Mitchell will have a special night. Yeah. The, Ca- the Cavs will be hosting the Knicks on Sunday, but they do have a trip to New York coming up as well. So that'll be a nice night for him. So, all right, Terry, you were out at Guardians season ending interviews on Friday. It's kind of the wrap up session that the reporters have with the people on the team. Uh, what were your big takeaways from that? And what do you think about the offseason? Well, a, a key thing was I assumed Francona was coming back, but it was nice to hear it. And secondly, it was nice to hear he's doing well physically. He had to have one. He didn't want to get into details of a one minor surgery after the season, uh, which for him is if he doesn't, if he has less than three, it's a really good year for him not even having surgeries, putting himself back together. And even little things like watching him walk where he isn't limping all over the place because he had a toe toe injury was turned into a terrible staph infection and all this other stuff. So to get him through the year healthy and have him coming back is, is a huge deal. Secondly, no matter what they say, I do believe they're second guessing themselves, not on Bieber starting that game five, but on my idea, which was the bullpen game. They, they go around, you know, they try to explain around that both Paul and I points and I wrote about that from their point of view, but you could have, you know, you could have, pitch Stefan to start. Remember, Cody Morris has done really well down the stretch for them. They could have run him in there as one of those other relievers too for a bullpen game. And he pitched extremely well against the Yankees the first time out. I forgot what game it was. Um, so Cody Morris is a guy to keep a guy on for next year. I do think they want to go look for another bat, a first base slash DH type. Um, and they, they said they'll have some more money to spend. They always say that, but it's it's in, it's incremental. It's not big. But at least it's not like the doomsday speech that Chris Antonetti gave after the 2020 oh, season. Oh, yeah. Remember we all that remember one? That. Yep. Oh, my, the, we are millions of dollars in debt. And this could go on for years. And you just wanted it, it sounded like, my goodness, let's just eat dirt and die. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's a good it T-shirt was, there, Carrie. Yeah, so it <laughs> eat dirt and it, die. Yeah, it's an old phrase, and so th- that was that was missing. We didn't have that. And then the other, you're not sitting there going, uh, you know, they're going to trade Jose Ramirez. You know, that's taken care of. I mean, I guess it's possible they could trade Bieber in the off season. He's got two years left in the contract, but I don't sense that's in the plans right now. They'll probably try to see if they could trade him. Now, keep this in mind too. Terry Francona said. Um, we talk about we care about our guys and looking at their long-term future. We want to do right by them. He said, you can't just do that when it's convenient for you. And he was talking about Bieber not pitching game five. You know, Bieber had the second most innings uh, in the American League when he roll in the um, postseason. And I think he 200, right? It, 200, and then yeah. you roll in another 1,300, 13, 13 and a half or – no, basically, he was at 213 for the whole thing. Yeah, right. 200 for the regular season. So this comes from a guy that people dismiss that, you know, uh, well, he, only, he missed he missed that time. It was three months he missed. So that's a big deal. Uh, I'm really interested to see, you know, what they do in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, they've got they've got class A signed up. I mean, they're in, they're in a really good position. Yeah, and that almost everybody is under team control, as we talked yeah. about, I think, last week. So they're, they're yeah. in a good spot. And and talk about, you know, there's an old sales saying of uh, you should always un- under-promise and over-deliver, and that is what the Guardians do. 
and they do that all the time. Yep. And and, and they're, they're it's a whole style of the organization. Paul Dolan is that, and they also figure too. It's they probably have looked at some of the other teams around here and elsewhere, and when they go hyping, hyping, hyping. I, I remember Antonetti once said to me, we "We're just kind of he goes, we never really won the off season." You know, the I guess the one year they signed Encarnacion would have been about it, but they never really won the off season. Because even if they're trading, they're usually giving up somebody, a player that people liked, and they're bringing in younger players or whatever it is. But it's never where you go, oh, look at look, their offseason. And by the way, I think uh, next year, uh, Bo Naylor then becomes really into play. And he's a catcher who had 20 homers and 20 stolen bases. You just don't see that. And defensively, his numbers were good. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back with Hedges, he's a free agent, and Naylor together. Because uh, they, they love Hedges, they love the way he handles the staff, and and just um, Frank Cone. Soak certain, it all up, right? He'll soak you know, it all up. Right, soak it up, work with that. He is a pure team guy. I mean, you could tell the players, do they do gravitate to him. It's like he's had Giambi and – uh, Napoli, you know, Francona has these guys he wants. And when you have a Hall of Fame manager and he wants these guys and they don't cost a lot of money, you let them have a guy or two like that. In fact, I know the Guardians over the years have tried somehow to quantify clubhouse chemistry or whatever. You know, the analytics people want to work on it. They've not been very successful. It's just kind of, you know it when you see it. The other interesting thing, that Francona said, and it was just said in passing, but I wrote it down, was he? we're talking about Quan, and he's praising Quan for this season and that. And then one of us asked, well, um, have you ever seen a young player, you know, just kind of take to it and have a year like Quan? He goes, yeah, one, Dustin Pedroia. Now, you have to understand, mm. Dustin Pedroia may have been one of his all-time favorite players when he came up with the Red Sox. And he was off to... Uh, fairly close to Hall of Fame career before sidelined by injuries. And so that was really high praise. Because if you notice, Francona will praise guys in a very safe area. They're, he's good at this. He's good at that. But you don't. he doesn't like to do comparisons or anything. So when, the, I, when I heard that, I just underlined that on my notebook because I was going to come back with that later. Um, so Interesting. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Um, hey, th- I wanted to mention uh, Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga, our two Guardians reporters, are doing a series of wrap-up podcasts, and they, they got into the whole catcher situation on one of the podcasts. So check that out if you can at cleveland.com slash guardians. Just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. All right, we got some Hey Terry questions. You ready? We're up a- yep. against a time limit. I, uh, we, have to, we have to get moving. So it's up to the host to keep the show going, Terry. So I'm going to do that. Here we go. He, this one is from Dan. He says, hi, Terry and David. I know it's early in the Cavs season, but what do you make of the start to Evan Mobley's season? I've watched the first three games, including the one in Chicago in person, and he's not as dominant on either end as he was expected to be. Offensively, I could understand some adjustment with Donovan Mitchell, but defensively, he looked a step slow on his defensive rotations, and he hasn't made the kind of impact on the defensive end that many expected. What are you hearing and seeing? Is this because of the move away from the big three with Markinen or just a slow start for Mobley? Thanks. And again, that's from Dan. So you, there I you go, Terry. I know you wanted to, you mentioned Mobley earlier, but yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think? I hope it's a slow start. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers now. I certainly don't like, 
only 5.3 rebounds in 32 minutes a game. Um, by the way, Jared Allen, let me go. We'll segue to that there because, you know, Jared Allen's having a terrible year shooting the ball for him. He's only at 56% this year instead of his usual <laughs> 70. I mean, uh, so, and there's Jared, Jared Allen. He just, he just gives you his, his number. This is where I want, by the way, Mobley to get. So in Jared Allen, 33 minutes, 10 rebounds. Mobley, 33 minutes, five rebounds. He needs to, it's not just that Jared Allen's getting all those rebounds. Those rebounds are there. By the way, Mobley is averaging as many rebounds as Donovan Mitchell. Evan, get on the boards. If you're not getting some shots or whatever, get on the boards. And that may be just a discussion that they have to have. I know that, I believe that a lot of his career, especially the early career, there will be problems, David, with trying to figure out what to do with him offensively. You know, where to get on the ball. And he doesn't really have low post moves. Of course, hardly anybody does. This is the old man griping. So I just think they need to work with him on that. But you can always go when you're that big and that athletic, you can go get rebounds. And that's what Jared Allen does. Go get rebounds. Yeah, it's that almost make go ahead. I'm sorry, Terry. I was just gonna say it's almost like Mobley's skill and versatility can work against him a yes. little bit because he doesn't have a thing or two things because he's so good and can do so many different things that it takes a while, I think, to figure out, all right, what am I doing here? And you look at Kevin Love goes in there. We just talked about that. He's getting nine rebounds in 19 minutes. Now, granted, Love does cheat a little bit. By that, I mean he doesn't go out on defense a lot. He's he's hanging by the rim. So they tend to put him on somebody because he has to blessing him coming off the bench. He's usually not on a, a real high score. But when that ball goes up, I mean, Kevin could barely jump anymore. And he gets all the rebounds anyway because, you know what, here's another grumpy old guy. He blocks out. He blocks <laughs> out. He throws his elbows out. He gets his man on his back, and he gets flat-footed rebounds game after game. All right, next question. Um, and, Paul, we, we'll get to yours next week. It's going to take a little time to get into yours, and we're up against it here. So this one is from Terry R. He says, hey, Terry, how would Gabriel Arias look at first base for the Guardians next year? We would have our right-handed power hitter who could back up multiple infield positions. What are you hearing about Nolan Jones? He seems to be the forgotten prospect. Uh, he was such a high prospect to have <sighs> just fallen off the map. Love your articles and your podcast. Thank you. That's from Terry R. I gave no thought to Gabriel Arias at first base, and I'm thinking about it now. Um, maybe, you know, Arias, I give him credit for coming up and doing that because he's had a miserable year because he had uh, two significant injuries during the season down at Columbus. You look at his stats at Columbus, they weren't very good. Uh, I guess that's a possibility, and certainly him being instead of Ernie Clement or somebody like that, you know, he could be that guy. Nolan Jones, I don't know. Uh, they they really didn't play him much at first at Columbus, David, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, if you're going to play him at first, then get him into spring training and get him at first base and, and see how it goes. There's clearly talent there, um, but I'm not as sold on him as say like I, you know, I have my guys, you know, Oscar Gonzalez and Quan. There were two of them. Of course, Owen Miller was another one, and he just fell off the map. And go way back when, I really thought Ben Francisco was going to play ten years in the big leagues and hit between around two seventy five. Ben Francisco, yeah, with fifteen homers, and I think he ended up playing a long time, but he was very marginal. So, all right. Well, thanks for the questions. If you want to hit us with a question, we'll try and get more of them on next week's pod. Like I said, we're up against time here today. Send it to sports at cleveland.com and put Hey Terry in the subject line, and we will try and get it on next week. 
All right, Terry, next Wednesday at the Worcester Library, November 2nd. Uh, check out cleveland.com for all your sports needs, including, I wanted to mention, we're doing a special All-Ohio football team this week where we're picking an, one team among Bengals and Browns who would start at each position. So check that out. Hope you have a great week. We'll catch you next week on Terry's Talk.